Welcome and thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption with Kelly Rourke Scary and me, Ron Rains, where we delve into the issues of adoption from every angle of the adoption triad. Do what's best for your kid and for yourself because if you can't take care of yourself, you're definitely not going to be able to take care of that kid and that's not fair. And I know that my daughter will be well taken care of with them. Don't have an abortion. Give this child a chance. All I could think about was needing to save my son. My name is Kelly Rourke-Scary. I am the executive director, president, and co-founder of Building Arizona Families Adoption Agency, the Donna K. Evans Foundation, and creator of the You Before Me campaign. I have a bachelor's degree in family studies and human development and a master's degree in education with an emphasis in school counseling. I was adopted at the age of three days, born to a teen birth mother, raised in a closed adoption, and reunited with my birth mother in 2007. I have worked in the adoption field for over 15 years. And I'm Ron Raines. I've worked in radio since 1999. I was the co-host of two successful morning shows in Prescott, Arizona. Now I work for my wife, who's an adoption attorney, and I'm able to combine these two great passions and share them on this podcast. Today's podcast is going to be about adoption news and adoption updates, uh, what's happening around the nation uh, regarding adoption and COVID and abortion and everything kind of coming together. So our first topic is something that is a feel-good, lighthearted story. Yeah, I like Ron? this. This is cool news from Gerber. After featuring nearly a dozen tiny brand ambassadors as the face of its baby food and other early childhood products, Gerber announced that they've chosen the first adopted spokesbaby in their 92-year history. Magnolia Earl of Ross, California, was picked from over 327,000 entrants submitted to the company's website. Magnolia, who just recently turned one, captured the hearts of the judging panel with her joyful expression, playful smile, and warm, engaging gaze. Last year, the family got a call about a mother in labor who wanted to talk, so they pulled off the highway. They got a chance to connect with these amazing birth parents, and just a few hours later, Magnolia was born. The family sees this winning photo search as a chance to tell this sweet little girl's story. Magnolia has two older sisters, Whitney, who's 12, and Charlotte, 8, who's also adopted. I think that, uh, first of all, hats off to Goober for not just picking an absolutely adorable and beautiful little girl. Right, but, which she is. She is absolutely that. She really like she is, is the cutest thing I yeah. have ever seen. I mean, she is just, I mean, you look at her and you are and you can't help but smile. Right, absolutely. And, you know, the fact that she is adopted on top of it just adds another layer of love. And I just, I get chills when I look at her because she's just so cute. Sweet I mean, baby. she really, really, really is just precious. So I think they picked an amazing little girl. And hopefully this will bring more awareness to adoption as well. So thank you, Gerber, for making such a great choice. So next we're going to Benton, Arkansas. The first newborn to be legally surrendered under the state's new safe haven law was dropped off at a Benton fire station. The baby boy is healthy, and right now he's in the custody of the Department of Family Services waiting for his forever family. Fire station number three is the only safe haven baby box in the state, and this is the seventh newborn to be dropped off inside a safe haven baby box nationwide. 
Monica Kelsey, the founder of Safe Haven Baby Box, was also ab- abandoned at birth. She said that the mothers of these babies have one thing in common. They're just in crisis that you and I may not know or understand. Out of the seven babies that have been surrendered in the baby boxes, five have reached out and received services and information, and one just wanted to thank the organization for letting her remain anonymous. The baby is healthy and safe. Kelsey wanted to praise the birth mother for making a tough decision. Now, according to the Arkansas Safe Haven Law, it allows parents to bring a child 30 days or younger to an employee at any hospital emergency room, manned fire station, or law enforcement agency without facing prosecution for endangering or abandoning the child. A parent can also use a safety device, the baby box, that's installed in the exterior wall of a fire station or hospital to ensure 100% anonymity for the parent. Once the baby is surrendered, the Arkansas Department of Human Services will facilitate an adoption for the baby to be placed in a permanent home. Kelsey said the baby will probably thank the mother someday as she did her own birth mother. She said, you are selfless, you are heroic, and one day I pray that you'll reach out to us so that I can personally thank you for this beautiful story that will live on forever in Benton, Arkansas. I found this story to be absolutely amazing. So I guess... Uh, Kelsey, the woman who is working with Safe Haven, was uh, one of the women who it looks like she was also uh, a baby that was placed for adoption as well. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, KTV News was the one who we received this information from, and she was so Kelsey was abandoned at birth, mm-hmm. and so I guess she's paying it forward. So I think you know that is amazing now. I want to make one point that's really important regarding safe haven babies. When they say there's only, you know, seven in the nation that have had the box used, that doesn't mean that there's only been seven safe haven babies. Right. Uh, Like we are building Arizona families is a safe haven location Mm -hmm. during our working hours. And we don't have a box. Somebody would come in and uh, hand the baby to us if that was the case and then walk out. Uh, we have not had a safe haven uh, baby handed wow. to us, but we actually have placed uh, at least two safe haven babies. Oh, okay. Great. Uh, so that is, I, I think that that is absolutely a wonderful choice for moms who are in a predicament where they feel they have no other options. Mm-hmm. I mean, we by having a safe haven law and, and having it publicized and so people know what it is, we are going to prevent uh, situations like, do you remember prom mom? Yes, absolutely. And those type of scenarios. So I think that Safe Haven is doing an amazing thing. We're huge supporters. Like I said, we are a Safe Haven location, a drop-off location, and we've been trained by the Safe Haven personnel. We know what to do uh, if somebody was to come in. And uh, again, uh, good on Kelsey for taking what happened to her and making it into something beautiful. Well, I definitely equated this story to you and what you've done with your life. Thank you. Because of, you know, you were adopted and you thought, I'm going to, you know, the same way, pay this forward and maybe make the world a little better place. So congrats to both of you. 
Thank you. All right, this next one actually is going to be a little tough because I'm actually literally reading this letter. So this was an open letter to FX Network to the the FX Entertainment Chairman John Landgriff and the director of AKA Jane Rowe, Nick Sweeney. And it's from pro-life advocates who actually knew Norma McCorvey. The letter says... Dear Mr. Landgraf and Mr. Sweeney, the following is a joint statement from the pro-life leaders who knew her, some for decades, some who took her into their homes and shared their lives for years in response to the widespread media reports on FX, on the FX, a.k.a. Jane Roe documentary that focuses on Norma McCorvey set to air Friday, May 2nd, or 22nd, pardon me. Uh, Not content with trashing pro-life hero Phyllis Schlafly, FX has now set its sights on the pro-choice heroine-turned-pro-life heroine Norma McCorvey, Roe of Roe v. Wade. Most of us have seen uh, caricatures of ourselves in the media made possible by selective editing, outright omissions, and direct falsehoods. An entertainment enterprise is the last place any of us would seek out for facts on women whom we all actually knew, loved, and admired. Norma was a woman who lived a complicated life and experienced many heartaches. She struggled to make her place in the world, but she never sought an abortion or had one, though the minds behind Roe v. Wade implied the opposite. She regretted the way she was used in the case that ultimately carried her name. We know this because she said so directly to many of us, and as we personally knew, she carried her pro-life convictions with pride and passion, and in a sworn affidavit, she affirmed her convictions, signing her name to to the statement, I obviously advocated legalized abortion for many years following Roe v. Wade, but working in abortion clinics forced me to accept what abortion really is. It's a violent act which kills human beings and destroys the peace and the real interests of mothers involved. At the end of her life, some of us engaged with Norma and were able to spend time with her. This also makes us wonder the, about broader context of the conversations presented in this edited documentary designed to shock and undermined her story. We ask for the unedited footage of the exchanges to see for ourselves just what was left on the proverbial cutting room floor. With the strength of the pro-life movement throwing that Supreme Court decision back into the balance, the abortion industry and its media lackeys are scrambling to rewrite history and shift public sentiment in favor of Roe in order to protect abortion. What does it mean to support Roe v. Wade? It means supporting an unjust and unconstitutional ruling that sanctioned the violent killings of 60 million American children and counting, and it's and it means applauding the death count that grows by the thousands each day. It means protecting the license to kill. The bottom line is that the woman we knew personally does not resemble the woman portrayed on FX, which is why we skeptically reject a production that came out after Norma's death, when she couldn't correct the record for herself or which contradicted her earlier statements. Fact check FX, your production doesn't line up with the decades of friendship we personally shared with Norma. FX, we don't believe you and we want to see the raw footage. We look forward to your response. Sincerely, pro leaders who knew and worked with Norma. And then they list all the people who supported this letter and were involved in it. As we as we spoke in, in the previous podcast, I, I was very uh, disheartened at the way society took a woman and basically pushed her to the forefront and used her in my and manipulated her on both mm-hmm. sides. I Absolutely. Think. And I think her life was tragic. 
I think that she was very much ex- exploited. I think she was, um, again, manipulated. I think she was looking for acceptance and she was looking to be a part of something bigger because she had so few connections with people. You know, her daughter was being raised by her mother. Uh, she was sent off to a correctional school at 15. She was really just looking to make that that connection and feel good about herself. And so I think this letter is, is 100% um, valid. I, too, would very much like to see the unedited version. I think that we need to remember as well when when we watch this documentary that there was an agenda and a purpose for it. So statements made by Norma that are going to support the end goal of the you know producers of this documentary are going to be the ones selected. Now, do I think that this woman went backwards and forwards in her decision? Yes, I do. I do not think that she had a genuine opinion on it. You know what I mean? Like her own opinion. I think she she did look to get an abortion herself. So she, at one point in her life, was not pro-life, but she never had one. Right. So I don't know. What do you think? Uh, okay. Well, first of all, I think that the documentary was more even-handed than I expected it to be. It did lean a little more towards the pro-choice side, but not. A, I thought it was going to be very heavy-handed, and I, I didn't find it to be that. Um, I also think that possibly this letter was written, it seems like, before they had actually seen the documentary. And I agree with you that she would... She tended to cling on to the side that was accepting her at any given time, and she would say what they wanted her to say... And I don't think she really had a strong opinion one way or another. She, you know, she espoused to have a strong opinion both ways at different times. Um, so I don't know. It's tough. I, I would like to see the unedited footage. Maybe that would bring more light to it because I do think it leaned a little towards the one side as opposed to the other. But again, I don't think it was as ham-fisted as, as I thought it was going to be. I agree. Another thing, too, is that when I watched her, you know, I have spoken with over a thousand women who have um, come to an art adoption agency to make an adoption plan. So I've spoken with, like I said, numerous, numerous. I stopped counting at a thousand. So over the years. And I will say that she very much and as you know, she did place for adoption. She very much represents the birth mothers that I see and work with. In the sense that she is a survivor. She will do what it takes to live the life that she wants to live. Right. And she knows what to say. And I'm not saying that that in a bad way. I'm saying it in the sense that she's a survivor. Right. And she will do what it takes to survive. So I, um, you know, in the documentary, she states, I am a good actress. Mm-hmm. I would actually beg to differ. I don't believe that she was ever acting. Right. You I think, think that she in believed any given time, what she... she was saying at that time. Yeah. Right. Okay. That makes total sense. Yeah. I think also uh, if there is any way that you and I can get a hold of that footage, I would love to watch it with you because I think that that would 
really help us understand more about this and be able to shed more light for our our listeners. Mm-hmm. So I will actually have our media person reach out and see if we can get it. Now, do you think that footage is ever going to be released to anybody? I think if they want to maintain credibility, it will. Okay. And maybe they don't. You know, they're they're not CNN or a news network. They are an entertainment network. So if they declined completely and said, no, it's, it's ours, you don't get it, then... I wouldn't be surprised because that it, they don't care well, about their credibility when it comes to documentaries. How many do they make? I don't know that they make that many. They did um, one of my favorites, Justified, and it was an entertaining show, but that's kind of what they do. They're an entertainment network, not a news network. For, for but, I think, but I think that when you put out a serious documentary, you want to be viewed as a credible source. Right. And I know that when, with our agency, one of the main things that I preach and practice is transparency. And if, if we were being questioned on something, I would absolutely release it because I'd want to be transparent. And so we'll see if they take the same approach. Let's hope. So, yep. Uh, we will reach out and see what happens. We have, uh, all been, you know, watching the the fluctuations in in COVID-19 you know one minute they're telling us don't wear glo- don't wear a mask and then they're telling us no do wear a mask and they're telling us to wear gloves and now they're saying they're retracting that and saying that we don't need to wear gloves and i just want everyone out there listening to know that as an agency we are taking all precautions uh, we have posted our covid guidelines that we are following on our website and we're also posting it to our social media sites this week as well. So uh, we recognize that things change. Uh, we are following what not only what the CDC is recommending, but what the Arizona Department of Child Safety is following as well. Hopefully everybody is out there and staying safe and staying well. Thank you for joining us on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. If you're listening and you're dealing with an unplanned pregnancy and want more information about adoption, Building Arizona Families is a local Arizona adoption agency and available 24-7 by phone or text at 623-695-4112. That's 623-695-4112. We can make an immediate appointment with you to get started on creating an Arizona adoption plan or just get you more information. You can also find out more information about Building Arizona families on their website at azpregnancyhelp.com. Thanks also go out to Grapes for allowing us to use their song, I Don't Know, as our theme song. Birth Mother Matters in Adoption was written and produced by Kelly Rourke Scary and edited by me. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to us. We'd really appreciate it. We also now have a website at birthmothermatterspodcast.com. Tune in next time on Birth Mother Matters in Adoption. For Kelly Rourke Scary, I'm Ron Raines. 